This is 8 Minutes, a podcast helping you understand the energy transition in just a few minutes. I'm your host, Paul Schuster. According to the Energy Information Administration, the costs of electric batteries have declined annually by about 27% since 2015. And that's meant that there are a lot more of these storage units out there and attached to the electric grid. Energy storage fundamentally changes how we think about supplying and using power. The increased flexibility enables utilities to do much more with the assets that they already have, while batteries also provide peace of mind and sustainability benefits to owners. I sat down with Mike Goldman, a director at Generac Grid Services, to talk about the energy storage market and how these batteries can help accelerate the energy transition. This was a really thoughtful discussion, and I highly recommend checking out the longer form interview in our sister podcast, More Than Eight Minutes. I just wasn't able to capture all of Mike's really interesting insights in this short overview, but I'll try to cover what I can. Eight minutes. It's how long it takes the sun's rays to reach Earth, or about 120 revolutions of a wind turbine. That's it. They may move slow, but they generate a lot of power. I'm moving faster. Let's get it on. Behind the meter batteries are becoming far more commonplace in the market. These units sit at a residential home or business and are extremely flexible in the type of value that they provide, not only for the owner, but also for the grid as a whole. Mike walks us through some of the value streams that battery storage is able to unlock. I think consumers are really thinking about batteries first and foremost as a resiliency option. I think there are additional value streams that folks are thinking about. There might be increased solar self-consumption, so using solar during the course of the day to charge your battery and then dispatching that battery at night when it's dark, so you're essentially still powering your home with solar. For those customers that might be on a time of use rate, you're able to use your battery to essentially arbitrage the time of use, so you would charge your battery when prices are low and then discharge your battery when prices are high, so you're not getting exposed to that higher pricing. Batteries are more than just a backup generator device. Sure, they play a big role in resiliency, but thinking about batteries as simply a fail-safe misses out on a lot of opportunities. They haven't thought of it in terms of an actual asset. It's something that's been at their house. But when you have an asset, you'd like to see a return on that asset. And so by participating in these programs, you can actually generate a return on investment for what you spent on this asset. I think really at the end of the day, what's interesting about this and what we're trying to do is use an asset that may normally sit there either stationary or underutilized and then put that to work to help support, essentially to help support the grid and in turn create economic value for the customer, the owner of that asset. And batteries don't necessarily need to be just standalone units either. What about EVs and thinking about them as mobile units that have utility beyond simply transportation? Ford touts that their F-150 Lightning, their electric truck, can back up a house for up to three days during an outage. And the idea of having a, a very large battery sitting in your driveway, in everyone's driveway, and what you might be able to do with that from a grid services perspective is something that's very tantalizing. Recent regulations have been aimed at further unlocking the economic value of these energy storage units. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, issued an order in 2020 that fundamentally shifted how batteries and other distributed resources could operate. FERC Order 2222 opened up the wholesale electricity markets so that these individual assets could participate in the broader power market. Mike provides a bit more of a nuanced view as to how FERC 2222 changed what batteries could do today versus how they may be able to operate tomorrow once this order is implemented. 
So I think some of the biggest differences in many of the different ISOs and wholesale markets, distributed energy resources were able to participate today, but there were limitations on those assets that made it probably less likely for them to actually participate. Things like size requirements. You had to be over 100 kilowatts, for instance. Uh, you had to have certain metering and telemetry requirements, which again, for something like a thermostat, you're not going to put a revenue grade meter with two minute telemetry on it. It just, it would never make economic sense. FERC 2222 made it easier for those smaller assets to participate, enabling them to band together and participate in the market as a portfolio of distributed assets. That opens up a whole new world of revenue streams and value for owners. But these units still need to be brought together in order to participate, and that's where companies like Generac Grid Services come in, as they provide the technological backbone to aggregate these distributed assets and optimize them for connection to the grid, a system known as Distributed Energy Resource Management, or DERMS. And we are sending control signals to those DERs, those distributed energy resources, in order to um, essentially have them undertake an operational change. It could be to charge, to discharge, to change a set point, something along those lines, so that we're able to get um, uh, kind of flexible load. And so once you have this flexible load, there are multiple different operational things you can do with that. You can lower the load, you can increase the load, you can help with voltage support, you can do things like fast frequency response where you're chasing a two second uh, set point in order to make sure that the system stays in balance. And DERMS opens up the opportunity for a lot of really interesting value levers. For one thing, they enable this idea of a virtual power plant where distributed resources at the grid edge can band together and provide power, eliminating the need for a utility to invest in a physical power plant, especially a fossil fueled one. What, what you're trying to do is instead of building a traditional power plant or even a traditional uh, wires type of alternative, you're using a behind the meter or a front of the meter, you're using a distributed asset and you're dispatching or you're, or you're changing the operating characteristics of that asset in such a way to get an outcome. As we electrify our buildings and businesses, VPPs and battery storage assets are going to play a bigger role. And maybe even assets such as EVs will be able to both charge and discharge in order to further enhance grid flexibility. In any case, the future may not look anything like how we used to build for increased power demand in the past. And so how we deal with that new load is going to be absolutely critical. Is that new load going to drive us to build new power plants to handle that, that new kind of load on, on the margin? Is it going to cause us to build new transmission and distribution lines to handle the increased demand? Or is there going to be a scenario in the future where we're able to use that concept of virtual power plants? We're going to be able to, to give distribution system operators a view into what's happening beyond the meter, kind of at this grid edge, where they're going to be able to see what's happening from a, a electrical demand perspective. And then you have an essentially a, a, an extra tool in their toolbox where they can control some of those loads. I'm Paul Schuster, and this has been your 8 Minutes.